Morning, everyone. Good to see you. Um, got a little special treat uh, this morning, hopefully for, for, for those who are on Zoom. But Pete Davis is with Joyce in St. Peter's right now. And um, they've asked Joyce. So Joyce is on Zoom watching the screen. And uh, so is Dorothy. Dorothy's watching uh, with us this morning at home. Joyce is unwell in St. Peter's and uh, Dorothy is unwell with COVID at home. So they both asked if we could uh, just acknowledge them this morning and we'll do that uh, obviously in our prayers around the communion table. But also um, to all those on Zoom this morning and especially to Dorothy and uh, to Joyce, I said that we just, if you could turn, all turn around and you see the screen, can everybody turn round? See the screen up there that says welcome and notices. Could you just give Joyce and Dorothy and all those on Zoom a really, really lovely wave? That's brilliant. Welcome Joyce, welcome Dorothy and all those on Zoom. We'll be praying for you, bless you, good to have you with us. Thank you, that's great. <laughs> Joyce is waving back, bless her. Great. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Jesus, we're here to worship you. We're here to lift you up. We're here, Jesus, because you are the King of Kings and the Lord of the Lords. We are here, Jesus, because you conquered sin on the cross and you conquered death through your resurrection. And Jesus, you are ascended right now at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And Jesus, you are coming again in victory to renew the heavens and the earth. And so, Lord, we celebrate this morning because if God is for us, who can be against us? We thank you, Jesus, that because you rose from the grave and because you're exalted at the right hand of the Father and because you're coming again, nothing in all creation can separate us from your love. We're here, Jesus, because we love you. We're here because you are the King and we're here to worship you. And we ask, Spirit of God, in Jesus' name, that you would come and inhabit our praises. You are welcome here, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Release joy in this place, Lord. Release the gifts of your spirit. Release celebration. And Lord, release faith in your people as we gather in Jesus' name. Let's stand to worship King Jesus. He's coming on the clouds.
out the name of Yahweh. Let's just cry out praise to God. Let's shout out the name of Jesus. Yahweh. Thank you, Jesus. Sing a song of praise, let that song rise up. We love you. We worship and adore you. We glorify your name in all the earth. Spirit, we love you. We worship and adore you. We glorify your name in all the earth. Father, we love you. We worship and adore you. We glorify your name in all the earth. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your holy name. Amen. Amen. Isn't it good to be in the presence of God? Good to feel his spirit moving. Amen. Um, just once a month on a communion Sunday, uh, we're going to have a, a time of uh, just, I've, I've asked somebody to give testimony and we're going to do this uh, once a month. So Sarah is going to come and give uh, some testimony. Um, thank you. Good morning. Um, before I start my testimony, which I have planned and prayed about, um, I just want to give you a bit of background to this morning's worship. Um, if anyone's ever seen Back to the Future, give me a wave if you've ever watched Back to the Future. You know in the final scene when Marty McFly steps up without having practiced to rescue the band? That's what our own Marty McFly Steve has done today. <laughs> so he came to church expecting to be able to sit back and worship. He's ended up helping out with worship, which is fabulous. So thank you, Steve. <laughs> Hence a bit of muttering before the first song going, what key is it in? Okay, so um, my testimony, excuse the glasses, I think it's a sign of aging apparently as well. Um, it's, it's about my, my school life, my testimony. I've worked in my present school for 13 years and 13 years ago at my interview, the head teacher said it was obvious I had a very strong faith, but probably be best not to be too vocal about it in the staff room as some people might be offended. My approach to that was challenge accepted. 
Um, so I've been there 13 years and I've, I have, I've been blessed. I have many good friends there, but, but one very good friend of mine, she knows I'm a Christian. I've, I've shared my faith and she's one of those people that whenever she swears, she goes, oh, sorry, God. So I'm thinking that there's a background faith going on there. Um, about four years ago, her sister who lived in New Zealand became very ill with cancer and was given weeks to live. And when she told me, I said, obviously, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for your sister for healing. Two years later, her sister was still alive. But the doctors again said she wouldn't see another Christmas. And my friend was given some time off school to fly out to her sister to say goodbyes. And this was during COVID and it was a, a tricky, tricky time for her. But I had a blessed time together and my, my friend flew back home. Two years on, her sister is still alive. I, I'm still praying and she knows I'm still praying. And, and when I check in with her, she says, yeah, yeah, keep praying. I'm like, I'm still praying. Um, schools can be very noisy places to work in. And so once a week, my friend and I have lunch at her house. She lives about two minutes from the school. And when we have lunch together, we have time to properly chat rather than be interrupted by other members of staff or by children for various reasons. Last week, she said her sister is becoming frightened about dying and her cancer is spreading, is getting worse. I was able to share that as a Christian, I know death is not the end and did her sister have a faith? And this led to a conversation about my faith and I suggested that her sister read an alpha book as this covers many questions that people have about Christianity. So tomorrow, I'm going to go to school with an alpha book for my friend to also read, although she doesn't know this yet. <laughs> but she, she did say to me, she said she, she had, um, her grandparents had a very, very strong Christian faith. And so she has had the basis, her and her siblings had a Christian faith as their basis for growing up. Um, and writing this testimony has just reminded me how much God loves everyone and how much he wants to be in a loving relationship with his children. I'm so grateful that God has given me this opportunity to share my faith. And I pray that in time, my friend and her sister will become Christians. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah, that's great. Um, can we have the, the offering, please? Thank you. Thanks, Paula. Lord Jesus, thank you that we have such good news to share with those who don't know you. And thank you, Lord, for the opportunities that you've opened up for Sarah in school. Just pray your blessing on those relationships and conversations that they would lead towards faith. And Lord Jesus, thank you that you gave up your life, even to death on a cross, so that we might have life. Lord, you didn't withhold the best gift you had, but you gave up Jesus, your own son, that we might be forgiven and uh, have life in all its fullness. So Lord, accept our lives, accept these gifts as a token of our thanksgiving uh, for all that you've given to us. And now Lord, as the young people, children go out to their groups, we pray your blessing on them um, and their teachers that they would grow and learn in the love of Jesus. Amen. Yep, so uh, emerge or going. We're going to carry on uh, worshipping Jesus and uh, inviting God's presence to come. So let's stand and sing uh, King of Kings and 
after that. What a beautiful name. Let's stand and worship Jesus.
our worship to Jesus. In a few moments, we'll be coming around the communion table where Jesus is the host. Jesus is here with his healing power, with his forgiveness, with his mercy, with his grace. But let's just take some moments just to speak out adoration, praise, whether that's in a tongue with interpretation or a word of prophecy or in plain old English. Holy Spirit, help us now to worship Jesus. Let's just share our praise and adoration. He, in this country, at the touch of a button. Thank you, Lord. And you also provide so very well. In the summer, you provide us with crops, mm. beautiful Jesus. flowers, yes. and a whole host of incredible sights and wonderful things. And it's just marvellous. It's been going on since the beginning of time and only our sin stands between you and us mm. that you have sent the great redeemer mm. to make things right that way and i thank you lord for this yes amen amen thank you jesus Judas went to the great chief priest and said, what would you give me if I delivered Jesus to you? The fee was agreed at 30 pieces of silver. This fulfilled the Holy Spirit's message to David. Even my bosom friend who I trusted and had eaten my bread has lifted his heel against me. Peter said to a congregation of the brethren, whilst Jesus was with us, he kept us, guarded us, and lost no one except Judas who betrayed him. Jesus chose 12 of us as apostles, and now we must choose someone who had witnessed the life and works of Jesus to take Judas's place in our 12. The congregation offered two candidates, Joseph and Matthias. Having prayed, they cast lots, and a lot fell on Matthias, who was then enrolled with the other 12, other 11 apostles. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Amen. Lord, as we come around the table, we just invite your presence uh, with us, guide us in our praying, show us who to pray for, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I invite the, uh, those serving to come forward. Tony's going to lead us in prayers of thanks. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you knew the beginning from the end. That when you created us, you knew that we would sin 
and the barrier of sin would be between us and you. But you didn't want heaven without us. You wanted a restored relationship with each one of us. And so you drew salvation's plan. You drew the plan that would give up your son, that we might be redeemed through him. And Jesus, we thank you that you left the glory of heaven to walk this earth, the spotless, sinless Lamb of God, and to take on our sin, our shame, and to die the death of a criminal. But we thank you it wasn't so much the nails that held you to the cross, but it was our sin. That you gave up your life, that we might have life eternal. And so we thank you that you gave up your life, that your blood was shed. And we thank you that we can share in this fellowship meal now, which represents your body and your blood given for us. But we thank you that it didn't end at Calvary. On the third day, you rose again. And one day you're coming again to restore a new heaven and a new earth. And so Jesus, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for all that you've done for us and accept our praise and thanks in your name. Amen. Uh, we invite all who love, serve, follow the Lord Jesus Christ and who believed in his name to take part in this meal. You don't need to be um, a member of this church to take this meal. Um, you may not even feel as though you're worthy to take this meal this morning. Certainly that's uh, all of us, I would imagine. So I always encourage uh, people before they take bread and wine, just to take a moment to come to God and ask for forgiveness. Ask for your sin to be forgiven and cleansed because Christ died that you might be forgiven. So take a moment to receive the forgiveness that he offers you. So we remember that after or during the meal, the part with his disciples, the Passover meal, Jesus took bread and he broke it and he gave thanks for it as we've done today. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And we remember the words of Jesus who said, I am the bread of life. He who feeds on me will never be hungry. So as we eat this bread, we feed on Christ by faith through the power of the Holy Spirit. So ask him to strengthen you with power through the Holy Spirit in your inner being as you take the bread and drink the wine. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. We will hold on to our cups and all drink together. It's a sign of our unity in the family of God. And so we drink this cup with thanksgiving. The blood of Christ.
a number of our people need the healing touch, the help, the grace, the mercy, the presence of God at this time, thinking especially of Dave and Roz, thinking of Howard, Dorothy, Joyce, and there will be others. Remembering too our brothers and sisters in the worldwide church who are persecuted for their faith. Um, please lead us in open prayer as the Spirit leads you. Um, there'll be a, a microphone uh, if you want to pray so that you can be heard on Zoom. Uh, please just put your hand up and someone will come to you with the microphone. If you're on Zoom, please feel free to unmute and to pray as the Spirit leads you. Let's, uh, let's pray. We just pray for Dave at this time, that your hand would be upon him, Lord, and for Rose, that you would just be so close to her, Lord, at this time. Lord, we, we don't know the way ahead, but you do. You know they're your children, Lord. And I just hold them before you, Lord, and just pray you would just surround them with your love and your peace at this time. Amen. Dear Lord, I'd just like to pray for my sister who's been uh, diagnosed with an irregular heartbeat. Um, pray that the medication she's being given will work and pray that she's uh, moved up the list as quickly as possible to have this procedure that she needs to, uh, to fix things. I'd also like to pray for my uncle um, who's still been sent home on palliative care, but every time I see him, he doesn't seem to be in pain. So thank you for that, Lord. And pray you'll give my auntie the strength to continue to look after him as she has done for the last decade or so whilst he's been ill. Um, pray, Lord, that in the times when things aren't positive, um, that you just give us the strength and the belief to carry on and keep fighting whilst we're in this world. Amen. Lord, we just lift Joyce before you. Just pray, Lord, that she'll be very aware of your presence. Lord, bring healing uh, to her uh, and give wisdom, skill to the doctors, Lord, as they support her. Lord, we lift Dorothy before you, who's uh, still poorly with, with COVID. Jesus, I pray for your healing on Dorothy's breathing. Lord, that you would restore her and may she get stronger in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, Lord. Yes. It looks as if she's going to faint. Mm. And 
she says that she believes it isn't the anxiety that she suffers from, but the doctors won't take any notice of her. Um, <clears throat> she has become quite erratic sometimes mm. in her behaviour mm. because of this great weight along with other weights are upon her. And I pray, Lord, that you'll release her from this by allowing the doctors to find out actually what is wrong and, and, and treating it, please. Amen. Lord, I just lift my good friend up to you who's um, being diagnosed with stage four cancer, Lord. Father God, I just she knows you, she loves you, she's your child, and so is her husband. Lord, I just pray as she enters into treatment now that your hand would be upon her, that you would bring her healing, that you would bring them both peace that passes all understanding every step of the way, Lord Jesus. She knows you, he knows you, and you know them. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Paul, Lord, we just pray that the procedure that he had on Thursday has been successful, Lord. You are the mighty physician and you can bring healing. We pray that you will restore that eye to foresight, Father God. And we just pray for the whole family to know your presence and your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I just pray for Abby and her family and the tragedy that has happened to them. I just pray that you give them a sense of peace and that you just give a sense of comfort in this time. Amen. Yes. yesterday or years ago and, and father sometimes we tend to forget those people who've been ill in some way for a long time and father I just want to lift Eve to you father you know how she is you know her inside out and father I just ask that you would touch her touch her body touch her mind her spirit everything Lord just 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 envelop her in your love and in your healing Lord Father, that she might be um, more able to, to get around. And we just thank you for her, Lord, and we ask your blessing on her in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, Lord, as we come around your word, Lord, we ask that you would speak to us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you breathed out, you inspired your living word. And so help us to hear it, receive it, understand it. And above everything else, Holy Spirit, help us to obey it and submit to it. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Um, before I read this, um, so I had a strong sense at the table there, just as we were serving, that um, uh, God 
God wants to uh, offer healing, uh, physical healing to people this morning. Um, so if you're sat there with um, a condition, um, we're studying the book of the Acts of the Apostles, and the Apostles laid hands on people, and God did extraordinary miracles and healings through them. And I believe that God wants to heal this morning. I heard that as we were taking communion. So I'm going to invite you, if that's you, if you're struggling with a, any condition, particularly physical, I think, um, the Lord wants to uh, come and bring healing to you. So I'd invite you to come forward at the end of the service. And uh, there are a prayer team here who would love to lay hands on you that you would receive uh, that healing. Because we believe in a God who heals today, don't we? We believe in a God who is actively at work through the power of the Spirit. This is what we're about to read. It's not just a history book. This is God's living word to us. So we're, we're in the book of Acts, and uh, we've got today to Acts chapter 1. And I want to look at the church today as God's plan to bless the world. Acts 1, 15 to 26. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in this ministry. With the reward he got for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language Akedama, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who had been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us, for one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justus, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. Um, so I've called this the church as God's plan uh, to bless the world and we've sung about this already in uh, the song King of Kings um, where we talked about the spirit lighting the flame and the church of Jesus being born on the day of Pentecost wonderful uh, words there isn't it the spirit lit the flame and the church of Christ was born we sang and that's what happened on the day of Pentecost but um, I was thinking about when did the church actually start? Did the church start on the day of Pentecost when the spirit came? Or is there evidence through the Bible that God's church was there as well in the Old Testament? Well, the word ecclesia means gathering of God's people to worship. Ecclesia in the Greek. And there is much evidence in the New Testament that God saw Ecclesia, church, in the Old Testament. For example, in, um, in Acts 7, Stephen is speaking to the Jewish leaders, and he says that the Israelites 
under the leadership of Moses in the desert, and he uses the word ecclesia for God's people. In other words, church, same word we find in the New Testament. So Stephen saw the people in, of Israel under the leadership of Moses in the desert as God's church, God's ecclesia, God's gathering. And in the book of Hebrews, the author writes that Christians in the church today are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, which include Abel, Enoch, Noah, um, Abraham, Sarah, Moses, Gideon, Barak, Samson, David, Samuel, and the prophets. So if, if we're surrounded in the church by witnesses, then they, they too must be part of God's church because they are witnessing to us and they are cheering us on in the race of faith. So it's appropriate to think of the church as being made up of true believers throughout history. And I say true believers rather than unfaithful Israel. I'm talking about the faithful remnant of Israel here. So both Old Testament true believers and New Testament believers. But it is correct also to say that the church of Jesus was born on the day of Pentecost. Okay, so the church has existed from Old Testament times, but the church of Jesus came into being, was born on the day of Pentecost. Are you with me? Oh, that's good. That's good. All this is really important because there is much continuity between the Old Testament and New Testament. All right. You can't understand the New Testament unless you understand the Old Testament. And that's because God has a plan which reaches right back to Abraham. And if you don't get that, you, you kind of are missing a key piece of the jigsaw. You're kind of lost. You've, you've had it. If you don't understand the 12 tribes of Israel and their relation to the 12 apostles, you're lost. Doesn't make any sense. So God's plan for the church began way back in Genesis 12 when he said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you and your descendants and your descendants who became the 12 tribes of Israel are going to bless every nation on the planet, right? So God, through Abraham's descendants, through the 12 tribes that came from Abraham, was God's chosen people. The faithful remnant were God's ecclesia, God's church, who were called to bless all the nations of the earth, to be a witness to the nations of the earth, to draw nations who are in darkness, who are lost and without hope, to the light of God in Israel. Okay? That's why you find in the prophet Isaiah many prophecies about Israel being a light in the darkness to the nations, right? Jesus was the true light. Israel was a light as well, but they only pointed to Jesus, the true light. That's why Jesus appointed 12 apostles, 12 disciples, because it wasn't going to be through Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel, that God was ultimately going to bless the nations, because Israel largely failed in its mission to be a light, didn't it? So Jesus reconstituted, there's a nice word, Israel in the form of 12 apostles. Apostles means sent ones, sent disciples, sent ones to continue the mission of Jesus to the ends of the earth. Okay. There were only 12 
apostles. Um, we learn here, of course, that Judas fell, um, betrayed Jesus, and uh, so they had to appoint another apostle called Matthias. But there had to be 12. There had to be 12 because they were reconstituting the 12 tribes of Israel. In other words, God's plan to bless the world through his gathered nation was not going to be stopped because Judas betrayed Jesus, right? Jesus appointed 12 apostles and one was replaced here in Acts so that the plan of God to bless all the nations of the earth began in, in Abraham could continue to the ends of the earth. Okay? It's just so happens that you and I live in the best period of the church, don't we? We have blessings and privileges that the Old Testament believers never had. Most of the Old Testament believers um, didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. It was only for prophets, priests, leaders, kings, judges who had the anointing of the Spirit, right? It was the occasional craftsman like um, Bezalel in, who worked on the temple. But most of the believers did not have the gift of the Spirit. You and I have a personal relationship with God because the Holy Spirit has been poured out at Pentecost. How privileged are we? How privileged are we to be in the church of Jesus Christ with all the blessings? But we're part of a church that goes way back to Abraham and continues through to the end of the age. Don't ever forget that. Acts chapter 1 is about the formation of the church of Jesus as the continuation of God's plan to bless the world. I want to make two points, only two. <laughs> Hallelujah, they say. First, God will bless the world through the church despite opposition. I find this tremendously encouraging. There is so much opposition to being a Christian, isn't there? Have you noticed? So much Satan... So many ways that he invents to attack you, to bring you down, to discourage you. And this is one of those verses where I go, thank you, Jesus. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Wow. You're going to get trouble if you're a Christian. We're going to have trouble as a church, but the gates of hell will not prevail if we trust and believe the promise of Jesus. There it is. Satan will do all he can to oppose the growth of the church worldwide. But Jesus gives us precious and wonderful promises like this one to strengthen us in the face of opposition. Um, even before the church of Jesus began in Acts 2, we got opposition, haven't we? Because Judas is missing. He ain't there. There's only 11 apostles. There should be 12. So we've already got a problem before we even get going with the mission of the church. And we're told earlier in the Gospels that Satan entered Judas and caused him to betray Jesus for money. Right? But even this didn't stop the plan of God. And Peter reminds the 120 disciples gathered together that even this disaster was prophesied a thousand years ago. <laughs> even this didn't catch God by surprise. 
Um, so Peter quotes from Psalm 69 and Psalm 109. Here we are. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms. David prophesied this a thousand years earlier. May his place, as Judas is, by the way, be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it. And may another take his place of leadership. God knew that Judas would betray him before Jesus even chose him to be a disciple. Judas had taken his own life after betraying Jesus. And Peter explained that a new apostle was needed to replace Judas to make up the 12 so that the 12 tribes of Israel could continue through the 12 apostles. This reminded the believers that nothing was going to thwart and get in the way of God's plan. We sang, didn't we? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? <laughs> Here in the word, isn't it? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Sang that loads of times, didn't we? I think so we get the message. There's nothing about the betrayal of Judas that caught God by surprise. It was actually part of God's plan. Now, it looked like Satan had won out here, didn't it? Because he entered Judas. Judas betrayed Jesus. Jesus was arrested, tried, crucified on a cross. Game over, right? It looked like Judas had won. It looked like Satan had won. But there was a bigger plan. God's plan was bigger than Satan's opposition. God is more powerful than Satan's opposition. Amen. I don't know what you're facing, but God's power is greater than Satan's opposition for you right now. Hold on to the promise. You see, Jesus had to die. Jesus had to be betrayed and nailed to a cross so that your and my sin could be forgiven, so that death could be overcome, so that we could be set free. Here's my first point of application. Satan will oppose our mission as a church to be witnesses to Jesus. Sarah shared um, about what it means to be a witness to Jesus in the workplace, in a school, a busy environment that's not that easy to be a witness of Jesus in. But you see, Satan does not want the church to grow. He doesn't want people in our church to help others come to know and love Jesus. There's our purpose statement, right? You know that. You see, when people come to know and love Jesus, they receive God's blessing. When we know Jesus, we know joy, freedom, meaning, purpose, and eternal life. We know that death is not the end. We know that loving and knowing God is the best thing in life, right? Some of you don't look sure. <laughs> Please help me here. Yeah. It's good knowing Jesus, isn't it? Yeah. Good. Whew. Help me, Lord. You see, Satan doesn't want people to be trapped in patterns. Satan wants people, sorry, to be trapped in patterns of hopelessness, addiction, sin, guilt, shame, right? He's a destroyer. He's the accuser. He doesn't want people knowing that there's a purpose in life. He doesn't want people knowing that you can be forgiven and set free from guilt. He doesn't want people experiencing the reality of contentment and joy and meaning and purpose in life. He doesn't want people knowing that there's an eternal life beyond the grave. So he does everything he can to oppose the church and the gospel. 
over the years, you, you get to see, don't you, um, Satan's uh, favorite ways of trying to disrupt the mission of the church and your own, in your own experience as well. Comes in a whole load of ways. Relationship breakdown, misunderstandings, I'd put it number one uh, in my experience of the life of a pastor of a church. When there's a move of the spirit, you can guarantee that Satan will try to trip up the mission of the church by getting people to fall out with each other. His favorite tactic. And then there's uh, despondency, discouragement. Anybody ever suffer with that? Yeah. Temptation to sin. False accusations. Sickness. You name it, Satan will use it. But we need to remember the promise, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we need to remember the promise of God through Paul. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? If you're a Christian, you're going to have trouble, but you're going to have great joy, meaning and purpose. The two come together. All right. It's not one or the other. They're often simultaneous. And you can be joyful in the face of suffering and trouble, by the way. Joy is the fuel, the strength that gets you through. And it not only gets you through, it allows you to praise God and pray with faith, even in the face of troubles. Amen. God is stronger than the opposition. God can use opposition for his own ends. I don't know if you're a chess player. I'm a bad chess player, but I can beat my son. So I'll, I'll go with that. I'll play him and him only. Anybody who says, oh, do you want a game of chess? I'm always, just, I go, no, no, because they're always going to be brilliant, aren't they? Every time. In the game of chess, you can call check when you are threatening your opponent's king, right? It's all about the king. Your opponent needs to move their king Otherwise, the game is over. If they can't move their king, the game is over. However, I once called check in a game of chess only to find my opponent had already worked out this move and moved another piece so that he had checkmate on my king. He saw ahead, he trapped me into a move where I thought I had their king in check and then he went checkmate. Game was over, I'd lost. In a similar way, Satan thought he had Jesus at check when Jesus died on the cross. But he didn't see the checkmate move of Jesus who rose from the grave and he broke the power of sin and the grave. And it was checkmate, it was game over. So even Satan's best move of check was overturned and turned defeat to victory. When Jesus rose from the grave, it was checkmate, game over. If you will hold on to the promises of God, God promises checkmate, victory for you in your life. But you need to hold on to the promises. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not give us all things? Who can separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or famine or persecution, not even death, can separate us from the love of God? 
the best that Satan can do is overcome already in the cross and the resurrection. Amen. He that is in us, the Holy Spirit, is greater than he who is in the world. Isn't that wonderful? The Holy Spirit in us is greater than Satan who's in the world. Wow. God's power, if you're a Christian, is at work in you, and it's greater than Satan's attacks. Remember that. The Holy Spirit will strengthen you with power if you ask him. The Holy Spirit will pour God's love into your heart if you ask him in the face of trouble. Point two, the apostles helped the church continue to bless the world. This is a mouthful. I couldn't, you know what? I couldn't get this subtitle down. Uh, I couldn't think of a way to simplify it because I wanted to say everything in the title and then it, it's just too long, but bear with me, will you? Feels like a 15th century sermon, this, with a very long title. Second, the apostles helped the church to continue to bless the world through all Jesus began to do and teach. But there we go. All I want to say here is the apostles have a unique role to found the church of Jesus. And Jesus is sovereign over his church through the apostles and through the Holy Spirit. He's gone back to heaven when he ascended, right? But he's still directing the events of the church on earth. He's away, but he's in charge, right? Through the apostles and their teaching and their ministry, but most of all, through the power of the Holy Spirit that continues his ministry, right? Jesus is in charge. The appointment of Matthias as the 12th apostle was under the sovereign guidance of Jesus. Peter instructs them that they need to choose uh, another. And uh, Joseph and Matthias were the shortlist. Um, Presumably, they'd been with Jesus from the start, because you had to be if you're going to be an apostle. That was a qualification. You had to be um, with Jesus right from the start. You had to have ministered with Jesus. So presumably, just J Joseph and Matthias had been two that had been sent out with the 70 to do miracles and to proclaim the kingdom by Jesus, right? And they had witnessed his resurrection. Those two things were necessary to be an apostle, to be with Jesus right from the beginning, to minister with him, and to be uh, directly have met Jesus the other side of the resurrection. So they asked God to guide them in prayer, verse 24. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you've chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. In the Old Testament, they used to cast lots. That is, they would put a stone with a name on it in a bag. Um, if you've ever seen the football draw for the FA Cup or World Cup draw, it's a bit like that, but it's a spiritual. That isn't spiritual. <laughs> Honestly. So <laughs> Judas's, um, sorry, Joseph and Matthias' names were on a pebble, and they drew out Matthias's name, having prayed. Commentators get in a real tangle about this, honestly, so much ink spilt. Look, 
Casting lots was an Old Testament practice. We're coming to the end of the Old Covenant here. The Holy Spirit's being poured out. You won't find casting lots again in the New Testament. I think that's pretty straightforward. So commentators, get a life. Stop getting tangled up in these controversies. God's will was to appoint Matthias as the 12th apostle. And God, or Jesus from heaven, directed the Holy Spirit through casting lots to show them that it was going to be Matthias. The apostles were the foundation on which the church was built. And they were called to carry on the teaching and miracles and signs and wonders that Jesus began to do. And they did this time and again by proclaiming the good news and witnessing that the kingdom had arrived. For example, after John and Peter heal in the name of Jesus a man crippled from birth at the temple gate, look at how they witness to Jesus. Look at this. Then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who, um, hang on, who you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Do you see the witness there? It's not about them, it's about Jesus, his name, his authority, his power, that they've been healed, that he's been healed. So the apostles focus people on, on the risen Christ. That's their role, isn't it? And they had a one-off and unique ministry. There are no more to add to the 12, no more apostles to add to the 12. They were a unique gift to the church. They are the foundation on which the church is built. Their, their teachings, because they've been with Jesus directly, were used by the early church in Acts 2, and it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Right? There are apostles with a small a today, Ephesians 4, look it up, 11 to 16, but they're not of the same order and unique role that the 12 apostles had with Jesus. They were the foundation of the church. They wrote, apart from Luke, who was not an apostle, they wrote most of the New Testament, didn't they? Along with Paul, who was an appointed an apostle to the Gentiles. These were all apostles to the Jews. Jesus, um, Paul was appointed an apostle to the Gentiles. And uh, Luke was a missionary partner of Paul, and uh, he wrote huge two volumes, Luke and Acts, didn't he? But he wasn't one of the apostles. He was a disciple, but not an apostle. So the early church based their teaching and ministry on the teaching and example of the apostles. So here we are, I'm coming into land. The application for us today, we are called to carry on the ministry of the apostles, right? You with me? All that Jesus began to teach and do in the book of Acts, the apostles were called to continue and then to pass the baton on to the church, right? The church is not about devising clever strategies in order to grow or certain techniques or methods. The church is to be founded on the ministry and example of Jesus and the apostles, which is to bear witness to the resurrection to go and proclaim the kingdom of God and to do the things that Jesus did. To lay hands on the sick. 
to proclaim the kingdom, to call men and women to trust in Jesus. All of these things we're called to carry on doing. Doesn't mean we can't learn from management techniques or leadership studies or social studies or other. We can learn from these things, but they're not the center and focus of our witness. The center and focus of our witness is the ministry that Jesus began, that carried on through the apostles and continues today through the church. You with me? Good. And the other thing, I'm going to finish with this. The apostles were faithful, not just because they recorded most of the New Testament on which our faith is based. Not just because they carried on doing what Jesus taught them to do and hand on the baton to us, but because they prayed and waited for the gift of the Holy Spirit. They waited. They did what Jesus told them to do. They waited in Jerusalem. They prayed and asked God to send the Holy Spirit. And you and I are sitting here today and worshiping Jesus because the apostles were faithful in asking for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And now that same spirit has been poured out on you and me. And we're in the church because of the faithful witness of these apostles, because we're founded on their witness. The purpose of God is to bless the earth through the church. Jesus wants people in our community to be set free from guilt, shame, patterns of addiction, sin, and to find new life, new hope, healing, purpose, and eternal life and fullness of life in Jesus. Amen? It's what he wants. Satan will do all he can to oppose that work. So be ready, be prepared, but witness joyfully, witness in the power of the Spirit, witness under the promises of God that, that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We're called as a church to continue to do and teach all that the apostles carried on doing from Jesus. This is how we are called to bless our community and our world with the power of the risen Jesus. Let's stand, shall we, before, before God? I don't know about you, but I need power. I need more power from the Holy Spirit to be able to fulfill my role as a witness, to be able to go into my workplace, my community, my family with good news, to, to be a witness. So Holy Spirit, we're asking again that you would come upon us in Jesus' name this morning, that you would fill us afresh with your presence and your power. We need you, Holy Spirit. We need your power. Give us more confidence. Give us more boldness. Give us faith. And Lord, I pray particularly uh, for all of us who are facing opposition in various forms. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would strengthen us with power this morning. You'd help us to stand in the power of your spirit. Lord, I pray that you would help us to have faith, to trust in your promises, that if God is for us, who can be against us? Lord Jesus, strengthen our hearts with the power of your spirit, that we might continue to be filled with joy and power in the face of spiritual opposition. So come Holy Spirit right now, fill us afresh in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, we're going we're gonna to stand and sing, uh, O Church Arise, which seems to sum up the, everything I wanted to say this morning. Um, but I'm going to make this invitation. Um, if, if you felt a call on you to, to respond for healing, I'm going to ask you to just come 
um, during the singing of this song to the front. And uh, I'd ask the prayer team to be ready to just come lay hands on, on you and to pray for healing in the name of Jesus. We believe um, if this is a word from the Lord. We, we want to respond faithfully, don't we, to that word. So come um, and just receive that healing that uh, God has for you. Just come to the front and the uh, prayer team will come and pray. So let's sing.
asked me to share this, and I was sitting there, and uh, I just sensed the Lord was saying, specifically, pointing out to me, a person who really does need some prayer this morning for healing, uh, a very specific person. I'm not going to pick that person out, uh, but I will say that um, I encourage you to come forward for prayer. Uh, it's a lady, but I won't pray for you. My wife's here. She'll pray for you. Okay? So while we sing again, maybe. Thank you. If you would like to come. So will that person come forward? You know, you know God's calling you. So just come and receive. Um, just come. So I'm going to pray uh, a blessing, and then we will uh, we will continue to to uh, pray for the for the folk this morning who've responded. So Lord Jesus, thank you that you are here, and Holy Spirit, I pray that you would continue to minister in this time that we have in the church. Come in Jesus' name among us and minister your healing power, we pray. And Lord, for the rest of us, anoint us, fill us with your spirit as we go into this week. Help us to be faithful witnesses, Jesus, for you, and open doors of opportunity that we can share Jesus. Amen. So please go through if you want tea and coffee.